Hi, I'm Catherine Elsden, the minister at Bethel Maidstone United Church. We are a small congregation with a big heart located in Maidstone, Ontario. This podcast is a way for you to praise God, deepen your faith, and connect to the worship life of our church. For the season of Lent, we've been exploring the five essential practices of the Christian life, inspired by Adam Hamilton's book, The Walk. This episode features the sermon I preached on the final essential practice, sharing, sharing our faith with others. It wasn't until I moved away from Windsor that I realized that Windsor pizza was a thing. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? When I was in my early 20s, I moved to Toronto and I actually lived in a house of um, other young women from Windsor. And no matter what we tried, you know, we found like thin crust and the chewy foldable pizza and the deep dish pizza. No Toronto pizza competed with Windsor. And we tried to convince our Toronto friends of what they were missing. They didn't get it. We would get into these like passionate discussions. And it really made us think like, what is it about Windsor pizza that's so good? Is it the, the, the texture and the thickness of the crust, the galati cheese, the canned mushrooms, the toppings on top of the cheese, not under it? Did you know that was a thing in other parts of the country? Um, Through the process of of debating Windsor pizza with our Toronto friends, uh, we came to a deeper appreciation of what made it special and unique, just in, in the act of articulating what we loved about it. The same thing can be said about our faith, and I just want to point out that I'm making a link between pizza and faith here, if you remember nothing else from this. But the same thing can be said about our faith. In sharing our faith with others, in articulating what our faith means to us, we actually come to a deeper understanding and appreciation of it for ourselves. This week's essential practice of the Christian life is sharing. It's sharing our faith with others. And Jesus is very clear that this is something he expects his disciples to continue to do once he's gone. At the end of uh, the Gospel of Matthew, He gives these instructions to his disciples. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. At the beginning of Acts, Jesus says something quite similar. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he calls upon his followers to share their faith with others so that others might be drawn into relationship with God. This is something that Jesus was passionate about doing himself throughout his ministry. If we think back uh, to the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is walking alongside the Sea of Galilee, and he sees two men, Simon, Peter, and Andrew. They're throwing fishing nets into the sea. And he says to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they drop everything and they follow him. Later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus surveys a crowd and he has compassion for this group of people. They are in need and they are troubled. And he says to his disciples, the size of the harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. Now, these 
images of fishing and harvesting, those are weird ideas to apply to people. But they were um, accessible metaphors for gathering in and drawing others into community, drawing others closer to God. This was a passion of Jesus himself. Drawing people to God is what he went around doing, and he did it. He engaged with people that we would now call spiritual but not religious, SBNRs, as they're commonly referred to. Um, you know, this is not a new concept. The people that Jesus was reaching out, were reaching out to were folks who, for one reason or another, had been pushed out of organized religion or turned off of religious elites and institutions. He is criticized for being a friend of sinners and tax collectors. He goes out of his way to form relationships with folks who were hurting, broken, who had sinned and made mistakes. And he has a passion for meeting people where they are at and showing them by his words and deeds uh, the love of God. The mission of Jesus' ministry was to witness to this wonder and love of God, and he expects his disciples to continue to do that, to share our faith with others. And yet, we know that's not an easy thing to do. That's hard to do. And there's a few reasons for that. They're unique to each one of us. Um, sometimes we feel like religion's a private and a personal thing. We don't want to pry. We don't want to be pushy or to appear pushy. We don't want to be vulnerable, reveal too much of ourselves, and open ourselves up to judgment or criticism. The fact of the, the matter is, Christianity and you know, religiosity more broadly are today associated with a lot of words like anti-intellectual and ignorant and judgmental, hypocritical. Those words do not apply to the community that Jesus intended, and they don't apply to most Christians and churches I know, but they do apply to some Christians and some churches and some people's experience. And that causes us to hesitate when we share our faith. However, when people who are progressive Christians, open-minded Christians, fail to share our faith in ways that are humble and invitational, then those more negative um, portrayals of Christianity and religiosity in general dominate our culture. So I understand our hesitation. I feel those same apprehensions too. And yet, if you're here today, it's likely because someone took the time, someone took the risk of sharing their faith with you. We can all probably name one or two people who shared their faith with us and are the reason we are a follower of Jesus today. For me, the first person who comes to mind is my mother. I'm going to cry. I really love her. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it is good. Um, she's the one who, who thought we should start going to church when I was a child. She's the one who, um, I hate to say dragged, but probably dragged four children to Sunday services every week. We weren't a particularly devout household growing up, but she was always up for religious conversations and uh, really demonstrated her faith in action. She became uh, an advocate, a volunteer in the church, and a leader in the church. And her faithful action 
is an inspiration and, um, and a reason that I'm a Christian today and continues to be an inspiration. I'm also a Christian today because of a minister I had uh, at Emmanuel United Church in Windsor. His name is Reverend John Palmer. Uh, some of you likely know him. And he was my minister when I was a child and adolescent. He has a really down-to-earth, humble, um, and humorous you know, view of life and theology. He really made religious concepts accessible and applicable, even when I was a young person. He nudged me to consider ministry, and his compassion and patience and um, faithful witness inspired me to become a minister. And he is the reason I'm a minister and a Christian today. Finally, um, a third person that comes to my mind when I think about my mentors in faith is someone who probably doesn't even know my name. He was a professor I had at seminary at Emmanuel College. Uh, his name is Paul Scott Wilson. He's since retired. He teaches preaching. And in, uh, in seminary, faith was really couched in a lot of academic terms. But he began his first lecture with us uh, giving us his testimony for how he came to be a follower of Jesus. And it was authentic, and it was really powerful. It stayed with me. In his teachings, he really emphasized uh, the importance and the centrality of the gospel in our preaching. And he said things that have inspired me and um, that have informed my faith for years. And as I said, he likely wouldn't remember my name today. So we are all here because someone invited us into faith. Someone shared their faith with us. And it could be someone who was close to you. It could be someone who wouldn't remember your name. So who was that person for you? You know, I'm sure we can all name someone who's influenced us in our faith journey. And Jesus calls us to be that person for someone else to articulate in gentle, authentic ways why this, why this matters to us. In some ways, it's never been easier to share our faith because making a comment online is easy and non-threatening. Something like, you know, the music at church today really inspired me and I needed that. Or um, our, our book study at church has challenged me and if you're interested, you'd be welcome to join me. Just simple comments. Sometimes the, uh, the most effective witness online is a picture. You know, our, our opportunities are limited right now, but pictures of us typically in service, serving others uh, as part of the ministry of this church. A picture of you in the kitchen, um, baking and preparing a meal. A picture of you, um, you know, preparing the snacks for preschool ministry. A picture of you crafting in preparation for the bazaar. All of those things are a great witness to our own networks. Uh, online to show that you are a person of faith and that you're involved in a community that is doing worthwhile things in the world. I will just make a plug here too. Did you know that you can rate and review our church on Google and Facebook? Please consider. <laughs> the fact is, we all check reviews, right, and recommendations before we buy anything online these days. And Word of mouth is the most effective tool for sharing our faith. So consider leveraging your online platform in that way. In the book we've been following uh, throughout this series, author Adam Hamilton tells a story of a woman in his congregation named Luann. 
And Luann had drifted away from church during her adolescence and then returned in her late 50s. Hamilton asked her, you know, about that story. How did, how did that come to be? And she said she returned to church because of a letter that her mother wrote to her. Luann said that her mother wrote her a letter just uh, in her final months as she was battling cancer. And the letter said this, Luann, you have everything a person could ever hope for. A caring husband, wonderful children, and now a grandchild. Financial success, a beautiful home. Yet the one thing that's most important in life, you're lacking. I long and pray for you to find a church and to walk with Christ. Luann said that when she received that letter, she was angry. She is a grandmother, and her own mom is still trying to tell her what to do. She folded up that letter, but she didn't throw it out. She put it aside. And in the weeks following her mother's death, she read it again. And this was about the same time that Hamilton's church was starting, and he uh, had orchestrated a mail-out to local community um, members. And so she got you know, a, a little advertisement in her mailbox and decided to check out the church and had been a member ever since. That story is a reminder of the power of a parent's witness to a child or a grandchild. And sometimes it's going to be years. We plant seeds and we don't know when they might take root. Um, but sometimes it will be years before a child might return to faith. It's also a reminder about the power of letter writing. And that's something that's really, I think, been highlighted during this pandemic. People have taken up letter writing in a new way. So you might consider writing a letter. Perhaps write a letter of gratitude to one of your mentors in faith, someone who shared their faith with you. Perhaps write a letter to a child or a grandchild or someone close to you, describing your hopes for them and what your faith, how you've come to faith and what it means in your life now. We really don't need to be theologians. We don't have to have fancy words. It's just about being authentic. You do need to understand your own faith story in order to articulate it for others and share it with others. Not to push the uh, pizza metaphor too far, but in order to, to describe to our Toronto friends why Windsor Pizza was superior, we had to kind of identify it for ourselves. And that's true of our faith. In other words, we have to be able to answer, why am I a Christian? And what difference does my faith make in my life? It's kind of an interesting moment to examine that and reflect on that for ourselves because we've been away from church so much over the past year. If you've missed it, ask yourself, why is that? What, what have I missed about church? You know, what about it is important to me and in my life? Why am I a Christian and what difference does it make in my life? Everyone's answer is going to be unique. For me, faith has opened up this landscape of ideas and purposeful action. Faith in my life is a source of beauty, the beauty and wisdom of scripture, the beauty of our rituals and music, the beauty and grace that I discover in other people in our community. It's a source of purpose in my life, partnering with others on a shared vision for a more just and compassionate world. It's a source of love in my life. Um, through my faith, I've discovered the love of fellow Christians and the love of Jesus, 
the love that he shows on the cross, the love that he invites all of us to participate in, a love that he shows to people who are um, broken and messed up and discarded. It's a love that I feel, it's a love that I share in, it's a love I wanna share with others, and it's shaped who I am. It's shaped the kinds of decisions I make, how I spend my money and spend my time. And um, it's shaped every aspect of my life, and it's something that I, that I continue to cherish and explore and learn from. No one is perfect, and all of our answers are going to change and evolve over time. But I'd like you to ask yourself, why am I a Christian? What about my faith do I find meaningful? What difference does my faith make in my life? When we can answer those questions for ourselves, we can better articulate it for others. And in doing so, answer that call of Christ to share our faith with others. You know, when I think about my mentors, when I think about my mom and my minister and my professor, I thank God that they took the time and the risk to share their faith with me. And I pray that I might be that person for someone else. By God's grace, may each one of us be that person for someone else. Amen. Thanks for listening and for the many ways you support this ministry by your prayers and your contributions to the church. Listen next week for a special Easter message celebrating hope and new life. Until then, may you be strengthened in the knowledge and love of God to tell the good news of the joy you've found in following Jesus. And may the blessing of God be with you this day and always. Amen. <laughs>